I was chatting with a friend, he's a teacher, and uh, he, he recently applied for a job. So he was already working there part-time, but he was applying for the full-time position, as is some of his colleagues as well, and he really hoped that he could get the job, or he really hoped that at least someone in their department could get the job, uh, only to find out uh, that someone from the outside got the job. And when he and his colleagues heard that, they were pretty upset, because they thought that they already worked there, right? They already put in their time. They put in their effort. Um, they already had a relationship, you know, with the school, with the administration and the professors there. So they feel like they should have got the job. At least someone from their group should have got the job. And, man, as I was, as I was listening to that, it just reminded me of uh, what we talked about last week, about these two different groups, Jews and Gentiles, Right? The Jews, they were God's chosen people. The Gentiles were, were not. And the, the Jews, some of the, some of the Jews, they thought, hey, these Gentiles must first abide by our rules, follow all the laws of Moses, become circumcised. Then they can become Christians. So that's, that's what made me think. It means, you know, like, yeah, you know, we don't need to become a part-timer first to get that full-time job. Now that, that, they remind me of that, that. That salvation is by faith alone. It's not through our works. I don't need to first do something to contribute to God's favor to me. That I don't need to earn God's favor. And I think that's the beauty of the gospel, the good news that we're not required to bear extra yokes. We're not required to burden ourselves um, more in order to be saved. But is there any situation in which we as Christians might give up some of our freedom? Which we might give up some of our rights? So please open up to Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15. We're going to continue where we left off in verse 22. Acts chapter 15, verse 22. So if you need a Bible, there might be one in front of you, or if you want to pull it up on your phone. Acts chapter 15, verse 22. And I'm going to just begin reading as you guys are turning there. So it says, Then the apostles and elders with the whole church decided to choose some of their own men and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They chose Judas called Barsabbas and Silas, two men who were leaders among the brothers. With them they sent the following letter. So they just had this huge you know, debate in Jerusalem, the church in Jerusalem, and they came to agreement that salvation is by faith alone. Right? It's the grace of God by faith alone. You don't need to work for it. And everyone agreed upon that. And then now they decided to write a letter and, and have people from their own group send that letter by hand to the church in Antioch to give them this good news. And this is what it says. This is what it says. The apostles and elders, your brothers, to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Greetings. We have heard that some went out from us without our authorization and disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said. So they're saying very clearly here is that the people that went out, they weren't approved by us. That, this, that the message that they said to you, to what they did to you, they, how they confused you and troubled you, that wasn't uh, with our approval. So we all agreed to choose some and send them to you with our dear friends uh, Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth what we are, what we are writing. So basically, you know, 
If you think someone might have forged this letter, well, we have two people from us, that, and, and, they, and they are going to give you this message in person. Right? And you know these people. Right? It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the, require, the, requirement, the following requirements. You are to abstain from fruit sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. Farewell. So what's going on here? If you, if, if you followed along, you may have realized, and if you were here last week, you may have realized that there seems to be a, a bit of controversy, right? Like we thought that the church elders and apostles, they decided that salvation was by faith alone, then why are they telling the Gentiles then to abstain from four things? Right, the first one is, is what? Come on, you can shout it out. What's the first thing that they tell them to abstain from? Yeah, the, the, the first thing. So this is a test for reading comprehension here. Yeah, just shout it out, guys. Come on, you guys got this. Hey, food sacrifice to idols, okay. What are the next one? Blood, all right. Uh, third one, not, and not from here, third one. Someone from the back, someone from the back. What's the third thing they tell them to abstain from? I'll give you guys a hint. It's in verse 29. I, I doubt you guys don't know. I really doubt it. Come on, guys. Come on. Help me out here. What's the third one? First one is food sacrificed to idols. Second one is from blood. Third one? Thank you. Yeah, meat of strangled animals. And last one? Yeah. Sexual immorality. Great, yeah. Good, you guys can read. Good, yeah. All right, so... And so, so we have these four things that they tell them to abstain from. And it seems really kind of confusing, right? It says that it seemed good to the Holy Spirit... It seemed good to the Holy Spirit that they abstain from these things, which meaning it's, and, and, and it would be good for you, meaning that the Holy Spirit approves of their decision, that the third person of the triune God approves of this. And that's a strong statement here. And we're going to see, like, we're going to try and unpack this here. But I want you to let you guys know that based on what we've read so far, here we learn that the unity and fellowship that takes place between believers, regardless of your background, of your culture, and where you came from, the unity of believers and fellowship is far more important and, and far more valuable and far better than disunity. It's far better. But it's easier said than done, right? Because here we have two very culturally different groups. And now they're spending a considerable amount of time together. So, um, 
any, any, anyone that, uh, I mean, I think for, for a lot of us who have had roommates in the past, uh, maybe during college or summer camp or, you know, through some different events, you've had different roommates, or if you live in a dorm, you know what I'm talking about, is, you know, uh, back in seminary um, in Texas, our school had, uh, I lived in dorms for a little while, and there were a lot of Koreans for some reason, a lot of Koreans, and Oh, when we were living there, we had to share. Uh, we had to share our refrigerators. There was a public refrigerator area. We had to share it. And on one of the refrigerators, it had a sign, and it said, "Kimchi." And I think some of you guys know where I'm going with this. It's the first thing you need to know is that, um, yeah, our school had a lot of Korean students for some reason. Second of all, kimchi is you know it's. It's a natural, I mean, it's, it's a regular staple, right? They, uh, Koreans eat a lot of kimchi. They, it's, it's, you know, they, it goes well with their foods. And third, and before you guys don't know who kimchi is, I'm sure everyone knows what kimchi is, but it's basically pickled vegetables, right? And it has a really strong smell. It can be very pungent. Some people are kind of turned off by it. And also, the smell can completely take over a refrigerator. It could turn all your food into, into almost like, uh, like this kimchi smell, this kimchi taste. So what happened was that our school, they designated one entire refrigerator for kimchi. Everyone can put their jars of kimchi in there, in there, and nowhere else. So in this case, the answer was easy, right? You have two groups of people living together or more than two different groups, but you have these groups of people living together, and they share a space, they share a common area, and some part of their life, somehow it, 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 it's, it causes maybe a, a, some friction with everyone else. So what do you do, right? What do you do? So in this case, it was easy, right? They had an extra refrigerator, they should just use it, but what if, what if there wasn't uh, an extra refrigerator? Then what? Would, would there be a no kimchi policy? Right, would there be a, uh, you know, would, would Koreans, would they just voluntarily stop eating kimchi? Right? Or maybe you could, you could buy a mini refrigerator, put it in your room, but that's assuming your roommate's okay with it, right? And that's assuming you have the money for it. Right, so in the past, the Jews and Gentiles, they never associated with one another. They never even stepped into each other's homes. That's how serious it was. They didn't associate, they didn't talk. Right, in the past, they could choose who they wanted to hang out with, but then now, in a sense, they're compelled to live their lives together. They're one body of Christ, living together now. And as one commentator named John Stott, he writes this, It was one thing to secure the gospel from corruption. It was another to preserve the church from fragmentation. See, in the past, the church was on the verge of splitting apart based on uh, salvation, or who is saved. But now that that's resolved, how do they realistically move forward? Or how do the Jews and Gentiles, how do they preserve unity and fellowship? How do they continue meeting together? And the answer that they came up was this. The apostles and the elders and the brothers in Jerusalem, they decided, and, and they wrote this to the Gentiles. They said, please be willing to give up some of your rights that you have, some of the freedom that you have for the sake of fellowship. 
please be willing to give up some of your rights. It's going to be good for you, both of you. I want you guys to think about that as we move forward and what it looks like for us. So the four things, food sacrifice to idols, right, from blood, meaning consumption of blood, and third, meat from strangled animals, fourth, from sexual immorality. So first of all, let's cover food sacrifice to idols. So many of us, we're not really bothered by this, I think, living in the U.S., we're not really bothered by this. It may be in some traditional homes. Um, I mean, we don't even really encounter this here. In some more traditional Asian homes, you might find like a a shrine in someone's house, maybe some incense sticks, you might have like orange apples or a bottle of water. Right? I mean, I've seen that quite quite a bit. Sometimes you you see it in restaurants, Chinese restaurants still have that, right? So you got to understand that foods in the Gentile marketplace were commonly offered to idols first. It was common practice. Thus, when Gentile converts, when they saw that, they saw nothing wrong with buying these meats because it was just natural. It was just a normal thing. Meat is meat, right? It's not like they offered it to the idols. It's not like they're approving of it. But that's just that's just how the marketplace is, right? On the other hand, the Jewish converts they were very against food offered to idols. Why? Because to them, that food was tainted. It was tainted. It's not clean anymore. It's not good. And by eating it, they, they would feel dirty. They would feel defiled. And the reason why food was such a big deal was because people commonly interacted around food. Our food was a time where you could just relax, you could you know, slow down, and you could eat a meal together, share a meal. Uh, it shows that you have some kind of bond. You have some kind of relationship to each other. So food was important. I mean, I think for Chinese people, uh, food is also very important. So think about how it might feel like that when you go to eat with someone, you're not sure if the food that you're eating is clean or not. Think about that. You're not sure if the food that you're about to eat is is going to be okay. So you hesitate. And that, that causes friction, right? Your Gentile friend prepares a meal. You go over it and you're like, uh, like where did you get the meat? Like, was it okay? Like, you know? And then the person's like, what? Like, I just made it for you and you're not eating? You know? There's, it becomes like this kind of friction. So I want, I'm going to read a, a passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 8. And Paul, he talks about this a bit more in verse 4. Okay? Chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 4. It says this. So then, about eating food sacrificed to idols. We know that an idol is nothing at all in the world, and that there is no God but one, right? the one true God. For even if there are so-called idols, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, right? yet for us there is but one God, the Father from whom all things come, and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. But not everyone possesses this knowledge. For some are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat sacrificial food, they think of it as having been sacrificed to a god. And since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. But food does not bring us near to God. For we are no worse if we do not eat, and no better if we do. Be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights do not become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone with a weak conscience sees you with all your knowledge eating in an, in an idol's temple, uh, 
won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols? So this weak brother or sister for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. When you sin against them in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again, so that I will not cause them to fall. So what we see here is that for the sake of of fellowship, the Gentiles were told that it would be best for them and everyone if they abstained from eating food offered to idols. So what we see here is that meat is meat. Food is food. Whether you offer it to your idol or not, I mean, those idols are all false, so the food is okay. That's what Paul is saying. But if someone, because because they, they, they lack the knowledge, because they're a bit weaker in their conscience, they think it's wrong, then... Just let, let it be. Let it be. Don't, don't, don't do it and then make them think that it's okay to do it. Right. So you see this is that it's, it's this type of, of, of restricting yourself because you care for others. So let's, let's talk about blood now. Right, the same goes for blood, honestly. Um, anyone ever had duck blood jelly or duck blood... Yeah, duck blood jelly, anyone? Yeah? No? No one had uh, pig blood jelly? Yeah? Some people know what I'm talking about. Um, like, if you leave it too long in the plate, it starts to, like, melt, you know? So, anyone had a pork, uh, uh, a duck blood soup? Duck blood soup, anyone? No? You guys never had? Okay, well, neither have I, because it kind of scares me. But, yeah, these are real, you know, like, foods that, that people eat. All right. Sometimes I, I, get, I, I see people order at restaurants, but I don't, I don't, I don't eat that, because I'm not, I'm not attracted to that. But some people do. And how, about, how about this? Medium rare steak. Yeah, medium rare steak. Anyone love themselves a medium rare steak? Yeah, yeah I see a couple of hands now. I, lo- I, I love meat and rare steak. But it says here that if, if by me eating a meat and rare steak causes someone to think that, that I'm sinning and that it's okay, then, then I should seek to have the heart to love my brother or, and sister by never eating meat and rare steak again. And that's, that's tough. That's tough. Because I've had people ask me before, hey, Pastor, well, doesn't the Bible say not to eat blood? But then, like, your steak's, like, ble- a little, it's a little bleeding. You know, is that okay or not? So you have to be careful, right? You got to be careful. Sure, you can try to explain, and they might understand, and it might be okay, but if they really don't get it, then it might be better to abstain. Right? You can eat it in your own home or something. How about this? From, from the meat of strangled animals. How many of you know how your meat was slaughtered? Anyone do research about the meat that you eat, that, that, that you buy? Anyone? Yeah? People, some people do research. Yeah, so how many here eat kosher? Eat kosher? Yeah. So kosher, it, it's the Hebrew word for fit or appropriate, and it, it describes whether the food is suitable for a Jew to eat. It has to be uh, slaughtered a certain way. It has to be prepared a certain way. And I think for 
many of us, based on the response, many of us, we don't find issues with this because usually we just, we just go to Costco or Safeway or Walmart, you know, um, or wherever you, you buy your meats, right? You, you, you pick the cut that you like, you look at the price per pound, right? You look at um, what's on sale, you see what's fresh, and, you, and you, just, you just get it, right? But for the Jews and Gentile converts, this was a big problem because, uh, because if, if we travel to other parts of the world, and we also might face these problems, but what we don't really face these conflicts or, and these topics here in the U.S., in the Bay Area, but we do face other ones. For example, how about, how about uh, drinking or the, or the use of alcohol? This is, this is a topic uh, that's common among Christians. When I was in seminary, there was a no drinking policy. And I had, I had several friends in, in seminary who, because of their culture, they, they drank. They, they probably drank since they were like 19 or 18. Right? But, but coming to the U.S., like, and, and they're you know, already like 30, but then now, they're, now they're not allowed to, to drink while they're in school. And they could be in school for like three, four, five years. It's a long time. And whereas, you know, my... Uh, you know, Pastor Ben, who comes sometimes from Hawk One, their seminary didn't have such a policy. And you know, he would tell me stories about how, yeah, they, they, would, they would drink together. But I, I can see how, how this one topic could cause some tension. Because, for example, some people might have had really bad experiences. Maybe they were in a car accident because a drunk driver hit them. Or, you know, they lost a loved one because of, of drunk driving. Or let's say, uh, yeah, or alcohol, they, don't, they, don't, they, they, they feel like it's really bad for the body. So why would you put something you know, that's bad for your body or something like that? You know, people have various different reasons. How about, how about smoking or, or cigars? Actually, I had to do research on this because I, I heard different informations regarding cigars. So I, I, I also have some friends, Christian friends, who smoke cigars. And I was really confused at first, because I was like, isn't that, isn't, that like, isn't that bad for you or something like that? Or I heard some news saying that it's, 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 it's not as unhealthy as smoking. And then I did some research, and it says, like, oh, cigar packs, and one cigar packs as much as one pack of cigarettes. And I, was, I mean, nicotine. I was like, whoa. Or, or tobacco. I was like, whoa, that's, 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 that's different. You know, some people say, well, don't, don't inhale, right? Don't inhale your cigar. Just, just hold it in your mouth for that taste, that smoky taste. But then, then, then there's research that says the nicotine just goes through your skin, right? It doesn't matter whether you breathe it in or not. So, like, so I, I was, I mean, it's not like I, I, don't, I don't smoke cigars. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't find it attractive. Like, I don't, actually don't really like to smoke. I have my own thoughts about whether it's right or wrong. And my friends, they don't smoke when they're around me, but, and I believe that they believe in the same gospel that I do. But, you know, what's, what's okay? What's, what's not okay? And is that going to cause, like, a fraction in your fellowship? How about this? How about, uh, I'm just going to toss out a lot of things for you guys to think about. Because I might not have all the answers. And the Bible, it can be, it's, sometimes it's, it's debatable, right? There's, there's various groups that, that believe in things. What about movies? Right. Um, what kind of movies are okay to watch? I think in different groups, people watch different movies. For example, what about R-rated movies? Are R-rated movies allowed? How much gore is allowed? How much violence? Right? How much uh, profanity or uh, sexual uh, things? 
I mean, I'll be honest, a couple of movies that I've enjoyed, they have been R-rated. But then, you know, do I go and, and tell everyone to go watch that? Or, you know, what if someone feels like it's wrong? Right? What do you do there then? What about music preferences? Some people have told me, you know, oh, rock, is, rock is of the devil. Or like, oh, rap is, you know, it, it's, it's not good. Right? How could you listen to that? Or some people might say, oh, classical is more godly, right? You know, there's like these different things like that people throw around. Are the lyrics, are they wholesome? Are they meaningful? Right? There's, there's all these different things. What about, what about video games? People say video games, oh, it's a waste of time, right? Or video games, uh, what about the drug and sexual content? What about the violence? All these things, what about addictions? So I'm going I'm to read out Ephesians 5, verse 15 to 16. It says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Right? So these are just some things that we think about. What about language? Right? Word choice. How do you express yourself? I think in church sometimes we, uh, we tend to make churchy words. Right? Churchy cuss words. Right? We, we, uh, we don't really say the whole thing or we just change a few letters. We say, we say, gosh, right? oh my gosh. Or, or we just say, OMG. Or people just say, is that, is that, is that taking the Lord's name in vain? Or what about like, uh, saying, oh, like, dang it. Right? Or instead of, or darn it. What about, you know, like people just, just, just trying to change certain things. And people might think that's right. People might think it's wrong. How do you, how do you communicate to, to each other? How do you maintain that fellowship together? And I'm sure there's a lot more topics that there are. I'm, I'm sure there are a lot more that you guys have encountered or you guys think about. And ultimately, what we need to do is we need to see what the Bible says about these topics. Right? The Bible may not always speak specifically about a topic, right? because now these, you know, it's, it's the 21st century, right? There's a lot of advancement, a lot of new things, technologies that, that weren't invented in this day. They didn't have internet, they didn't have TVs, right? But the Bible, it does give us principles. And I'm going to, I'm going to read something in 1 Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 12. It says, I have the right to do anything you say, Paul speaking, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. Basically, like, I won't have something let con- have control over me, like addiction. But you say food for the stomach and the stomach for food. And God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. His, uh, by his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will also raise us. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, the two become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Right? Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? Are you, not your, are you, uh, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So while we might feel some disconnect with the first three items, because like, yeah, I don't eat blood, or uh, I, don't, I don't eat kosher, um, you know, I, I, I don't, you know, there's no, like, we don't buy food from temples, you know, that, offer, that were offered to idols and stuff like that. 
But this last one, I think, about sexual immorality is very relevant. It's very, very relevant. So in the Bible, um, in the Old Testament, you, you'll read about stories about um, the, the, what's known as the Asherah. Asherah is a goddess. Asherah pole, right? You guys heard about this? In the, you know, in, in the kings, right? You see the kings. Some of them tear them down. Some of them put them up, right? And how God really dislikes these Asherah poles. So Asherah was this, is this goddess, and it's, it's often worshipped as, you know, uh, uh, the moon goddess. It's the goddess of love and war. And, and this, uh, this goddess was known for its sensuality and was involved, and, and, and the people that worshipped this goddess was often involved in ritual prostitution. So these Gentiles, they're living in this culture. So these brothers, these apostles, these elders, they tell them that, hey, your culture might say it's okay, but it's not. It's not. This is, this is not good. This is really not good. The Greek word for sexual immorality here is pornea. Now, this is where we get the word what? Right, yeah, porn, pornography. Right, in 2015, uh, a study in the U.S., it showed that 41% of high school students reported having sexual intercourse. 41% in 2015. I don't know how big the sample size was, but if we think about it, wow, like at least in some area, among some, a certain group, it was, as this, it was this high. That, that's really, really shocking, right? On July 15, 2015, anyone know what happened on this day, July 15, 2015? Anyone know? Take a guess. So um, the, the website for Ashley Madison was hacked. Anyone know what the uh, Ashley Madison motto is? Life is short, have an affair. Their motto is, life is short, have an affair. It's a platform that helps users basically find partners uh, to uh, you know, commit an affair, have an adultery. And on this day, it was hacked, and it was found that this website, in 2015, it had 37 million users. 37 million users. It doesn't say how many were active, okay, but it had this many. And, it sh- and, and, and the stats, it showed that, um, as they did some more, more digging, that at least one in five Americans have cheated on their partners in this website, at least. And, and, and that's, just, that's just crazy. That's just, and that's shocking. I mean, like, we, like, and I'm sure that some of us, we, we, we see this around us. Maybe we have friends who have experienced this. Maybe they've gone through something. We see this on, on the TV, right? We, we see this in those you know, celebrities, right? Like this person, you know, cheated on this person, and now they're filing for divorce or something like that. It's, 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 it's really, really shocking. It's, 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 in a sense, it's, it's kind of a little part of American culture now. Right? God, God created sex to be something that's wonderful, okay? Something that's supposed to be wonderful, 
And it's, it was supposed to be a gift that was to be enjoyed by a man and a woman right, in marriage. Right? You, as you, um, if, if you guys have read Song of Solomon, you'll see that, man, this, this poetry, it's, man, it's deep. And, it, and it's very, very detailed. Between a man and a woman, right, loving each other. But what our world has done is, is that it's taken something that's good and it's perverted it. It's perverted it. And, and, through, and, 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 and through its perversion, we have things like what fornication, we have things like adultery, we have things like bestiality, self-gratification, pornography, and which is so easy to access these days. Right? All, you, all you need to do is you just go online, right? Just go online. You, you can find it. Sometimes you're not even looking for it, and somehow you, you, it might show up. And all these things, ultimately, it harms ourselves. That's what the Bible teaches. That sexual sin is actually, it, actually against ourselves. And it also harms other people. As you see, you know, you, you'll see you know, um, people... That, that my young, young, young people, they might uh, struggle about abortion. Maybe, uh, like, something happened, right? Or single mothers. You might, you might, you might see uh, just, just a lot of pain in the world. Or we see uh, children without, without fathers in the house. They grow up, and they might have some problems. They might, they might try to find a father figure somewhere or they, they might they not, 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 not know how, like they might lack some part of their life and then the mom's trying to do the best that they can. And because of these things, these perversions, we, uh, we, we miss out in experiencing sex in the way that God intended, which is actually very beautiful. So I want you guys to truly think that as you, if you're a Christian, you have your own lifestyle, right? You have the way you live, you have the way you think, the things that you believe. As you read the Bible, you find what your freedoms are, what's okay, what's not okay. Or you, you have your own stance. And I want you guys to think about how it might affect other people. Because if you're really in fellowship with others, if you're really living life together, your life is going to affect other people. It's going to come up in your conversations. It's going to come up through your actions. Right? You might go out for a dinner and, you know, like, you, just, you, just, you, know, you want to have a good time and, you're, and you, like, you want to, maybe you want to order something to drink, right? But then maybe the other person is not comfortable with that. Like, what do you do? What do you do? Maybe you, want, you guys want to go watch a movie together if someone's not okay with the movie because they, they, they first did some research and they're like, oh, it has this and this and this. We shouldn't go watch it. Then what do you do? So I want you guys to think and think about how this might affect your life to restrict some of the freedoms that you have as you care for other people, as you love other people. I want you guys to, to first examine your own life and realize that there are probably a lot of things about your life and, and things about my life that, might, that other people might find sinful. You might have your own judgments about people. People might have their own things about, about you. So think about that. So don't be too quick to speak out. Don't be too quick to condemn I want, I want us to listen, listen to what other person says. Now observe, right? Open your eyes and your ears and try to learn. Have the intent to learn. Like, why do they do this? Why do they think it's okay? Why do they think it's not okay? And go back to the scripture and talk it out. 
Talk it out. Right? In, in Philippians 4, 8, it says this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Right? So as you, as you live your life, the things that you do, like things that, 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 you, that you consume or things that, that, you, that you think is okay, are, it doesn't follow these things. Right? Is, this, is this something that's, that's good? So I think that one thing that we could do um, and I know a lot of people already do this, but one thing that we do is that when you do something with someone, just, just ask them, hey, are you okay with this? Is, is it okay if I do this? Does it, does it bother you? Like, you know, and, 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 and if they say no, then, then maybe, maybe you, can, you can ask them, like, oh, like, oh how come? Like, or you know, try, maybe try and learn a little. And then if they're really not okay, then say, oh, it's okay. You know, it's okay. So I, I think there, there's something that's really awesome, something that really pleases God about this, is that when we show love and care for one another, and that it shows that we're united. And it shows that we value fellowship, the time spent together. We value us living together over doing whatever we want as individuals. So I'm sure that we, that, I mean, I've only covered a very, very few topics that, 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 that you guys can think about as believers. Think about it. How does, your, how, how, does your, how does your life affect other people? How might it affect, how can you maybe in some cases restrict your own freedom because you care for other people? Right? You care about fellowship. You care about uni- unity. So as we continue to, to really think about this and to reflect and ask God you know, to, to do work in our hearts, um, just invite the worship team to, to come back up and as they, um, as they play some songs, just spend like a minute to reflect and then we're going to pass the offering bag around where we just, we, we give with a joyful heart, we give, give with gratitude um, to the Lord, uh, and it helps us to continue to keep the doors of the, the church open and continue to do what we do here. Um, if, you're, if you're a newcomer or if you're a guest, do not feel obligated to give. You do not have to give. Um, just, just, yeah, just, just enjoy.